0: Well, my name is Kyle. I serve as the lead pastor uh, here at Trinity, and I am thankful that you made a decision to be here today. Uh, No matter what your journey has looked like with God, no matter where you're at today, maybe you're not even sure you believe, uh, I'm thankful that you have come today. It was about three years ago that I stood before you uh, when our city was feeling the tension. Um, It it feels like it was only yesterday. Um, Maybe you remember that. Maybe you were a part of uh, this community at that point. And I stand here again, kind of in that same place. And uh, most of you know me well enough, uh, I'm not the kind of person that can just pretend. And, um, and so I think we have to be a kind of church who have these conversations and who pay attention to it. And so you've felt the tension, I can imagine. You, you have felt the tension over the last 48 uh, hours. I don't know what you did with that tension. And I don't know what your response was in the, in the midst of that. Uh, have you struggled with the words to say um, or not to say? Have you struggled with uh, what to post uh, or not to post in social media? Or the feelings that, that come up and the emotions that you have in the midst of all of this? Have you had any hard conversations? Have you had hard conversations with, with others about their feelings and the emotions that they're experiencing? I know for me, I've, I've just felt the tension and struggling. Like, what, what do you do? you kind of feel at a loss and you can feel hopeless in the midst of kind of the the pain that our our city is experiencing. Have you felt like you need to stay neutral? Have you felt like you need to stay neutral in the midst of everything? Because you're not sure how people will respond or what people will will think. And so oftentimes in the midst of that fear, we just, we don't necessarily say anything or we don't do anything. And I know, look, I know in this, in a room this size uh, that there's all kinds of opinions there are all kinds of thoughts about what has gone on over the last forty-eight hours, and not only the last forty-eight hours, but months, years, even. What has taken place? Have you felt the pain? I mean, honestly, if you felt the pain of what has happened, I have a dear friend um, who is a pastor, and um, I respect so much. I talked to him yesterday. And he said, look, how when I heard it, I just sat in my car as I went to pick my kids up early and just wept. Have you you felt the pain? No matter what you think, no matter what opinions you might have, have have you felt the pain of our community? Have you prayed? Have you prayed? Have you prayed for Annie Smith, the the mother of, of Anthony Smith? No matter what you think or what you believe, a mother who, who lost a child and then has had to relive that now. And, and not only is it her own experience, but now it is a, a national experience that she's having to work. Have you prayed for her? Have you prayed for and I And I met with a, a, a police officer's wife just a couple, right, hours after the announcement came out. Have you, have you prayed for the families of our police officers? Those who their their husbands or wives, their kids, their parents, they leave, and some good cops who who go out to protect, and their family are in fear. Have you prayed for them? Have we prayed Uh, for those of you? And I'm speaking on my own experience. Those of you who are white, have you thought and prayed for your black neighbors, your coworkers? Our brothers and sisters who are a part of our local community, you prayed for them. If you you felt the pain that possibly they're experiencing, that that many of them who maybe even some of them who, who once again feel like maybe their lives don't matter, you prayed for them. If you felt the pain that they are experiencing, so I just have to be honest I, I, this is one of those times where, and, and my wife has had to feel this over the last 48 hours as I've wrestled and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what, what do I even do? Cause some of us have the, the, the opportunity where we can kind of just sit and internalize. But as your pastor, I, I stand before you every week and, and I feel like it's my responsibility to be faithful to God first, right? To be faithful to him and what I think he's called us to. And then my response is to be faithful to you. And to be honest, and so I, I feel like even in our series that we're in, uh, I can't just keep going, right? We, we have to hit pause and we have to, we have to talk about this. And, and I know there's some, some feelings of maybe even being uncomfortable, but that's the beautiful thing I think about our church, that we have people who come from all different places in life, all different opinions, uh, all different lifestyles. But, but when we come into this place, my hope is that we love one another, and that's difficult in these moments, and so I, I want to help us do that. I want to attempt to help us do that as I've wrestled through some things over the last 48 hours, and so I'm not going to ask you if you've prayed. I'm going I'm to attempt to help you pray today, um, and so I know for some of you, maybe you're far from God. Maybe prayer is not something you typically do. Maybe you don't even know how to pray. Uh, I want to direct you. Maybe you just want to sit quietly Uh, You want to reflect on what's been taking place uh, in our community, Uh, but I want to give you some instructions on how to pray this morning. And so I want to give you a few minutes. I'll I'll ask you to pray for something specifically. I'll give you a few uh, moments to pray for that. And then we're going to end with the Lord's Prayer because sometimes we don't know how to pray, uh, but, but God has given us the directions on how to pray. And so in the end, I'll ask you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. If you don't know that, it'll be on the screen for you to read along. Um, but, but I've just felt anxious over the last couple days, right? And I have a couple of mentors I've sent messages to and, and I know they've prayed for me and, and I, I just thought of this scripture and so I want to read this scripture and then we'll, we'll pray. Paul, who's not a follower of Jesus, he's actually killing Christians, he's condemning Christians, um, he, he actually becomes a Christian and then plants church and then gives direction uh, to these churches. And I, and I feel like this scripture, maybe more than anything I've read in the Bible, uh, speaks to me every time I read it just my past and and what I need to hear often. And so this is for me, but hopefully it is helpful to you. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you're feeling anxious for whatever reason this morning, there could be lots of reasons you're feeling anxious. Uh, our, our hope is that we, we turn those worries and anxieties into prayers. And so I'm just going to encourage you to pray for a few things. The first thing, I, I do want you to pray for Annie Smith, um, uh, Anthony Lamar Smith, Elevar Smith's um, mother, uh, to just pray for her in these moments when she sees the chaos that's going on in our community. Some of you as mothers, as, as fathers, as you think about losing your child, would you just pray for her? She'd have peace in, in these moments. Do that now. On your own. you pray for uh, our first responders? Maybe you have a friend, uh, an acquaintance who is putting in long hours and you want to pray for them specifically. Pray for spouses, children whose parents are leaving on long shifts. Do you pray for them? Would you pray for yourself specifically, um, that you'd be open to listen, that you would hear the pain of others? That you'd be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry? Pray for the church so the people pray for us specifically pray for churches all over our city north county north city the suburbs would you pray that we would respond that we would live out the call to love one another pray uh, as Jesus taught us the Lord's prayer. It'll be on the screen. Pray with me. Our Father, thou art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And so as we think about this, and we think about God's kingdom coming, and we think about what it looks like to live that out every day, uh, it actually goes along with the series we're talking about right now. And we look at the Ten Commandments. And the 10 commandments are divided up into four in the first that are our relationship with God. And I want to clarify this because I had some questions yesterday or last week. The, The first four are this vertical relationship, our relationship with God. The first four commandments deal with that. The next six deal with our relationship with one another. And so you have this person who comes up to Jesus and says, look, what are the most important commandments? And there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. You have the the 10 that that God gives to Moses and the Israelites as they, they go and they go into freedom. And Jesus says, look, you can define it in two ways. And those two ways are that we love God and that we love people. Jesus says we love God and we love people. John, a follower of Jesus, says we cannot say we love God and hate our brother and sister. If you do that, you are a liar. Those are not my words. Those are words straight from the scriptures. That we cannot say we love God and not love our neighbor. If you do, then you do not love God. Then we don't love God. The call on our lives as followers of Jesus is not just to love God. Like that is a part of it, that is a major part of it, to know God and to serve God and to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But our response out of that is then we love one another and not just those who live like us or look like us or think like us. Jesus does not define, he actually, when he begins to define what our neighbor looks like, he asks the question, well, who isn't our neighbor? Who's not our neighbor? And so our response is to love God. Other people. So, what does this look like? Right? We, we say love people, and that's one of our, our, our mission statements is to love God and to love people. But what does that tangibly look like? And I, and I want to give you just a couple of ways to do that. And, and it's really hard in the midst of chaos and confusion. Uh, just this last uh, Friday, uh, my, my kids are playing soccer, and I'm at FAA right here. Uh, none of my team is showing up. And we're about 15 minutes before the game, and I'm thinking, where is everyone? And I get a text. Um, from Greg, our worship pastor, who's helping me coach. And he's like, What field are we on? And then I immediately knew I was at the wrong field. Yeah. Right? I immediately knew I was at the wrong field. And I have my uh, in law's little boy who's three years old. And uh, I have my son and another little boy who are already starting to practice. And we have chairs. And it was just like this mass chaos. We just grabbed everything and threw it in the car. And, and I grabbed Liam and, and I pull him over and I put him in the car. And I drive kind of fast to the, the other field that we're, we're playing at. But, but there was just this, this confusion and chaos. And, and as I'm going, I'm telling Heather, I can't believe I just did that. And then there's this fear of like letting other people down because I'm not there and they're waiting on me, right? There was just this, I couldn't even define every emotion I was feeling in that moment, right? And, and, and I have felt that same way over the last 48 hours. Like almost every possible emotion you could have I feel like I've experienced. And so the easy thing to do in that moment is to kind of hole up, right? To remove ourselves, to pretend that things aren't happening. But I don't think that's the way that we are to love. Paul says this in Romans 12. Romans 12, verse nine and 10, it says this. He's gonna talk about love and what it looks like. He says, love must be sincere. And then this is how he defines it. Hate what is evil. Did you know that? We often talk about how we're not supposed to hate, we don't hate anyone, you're right, but but it is clear right here that we hate what is evil. We hate what is evil and we cling to what is good. And he says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. And so listen, as followers of Jesus, there are some things in our world that we need to hate. There are some things in our world that we need to hate even more. So we regard with hatred and disgust for those things that are evil, the injustice that we see around us. We hate the evil. Listen, we hate the evil from violent protesters who may not even care about what's going on. Right? We, we hate the evil. We, we hate what happens to businesses, but we also understand, listen, we also understand when people feel hopeless. Uh, my, my buddy that I talked to yesterday, he said, Kyle, if I didn't have the hope of Jesus in my life right now, I'd probably be in the streets doing destruction, destructive things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we, we, we feel that and we, we hear that. And, and so we hate the evil that has taken place that makes people feel that way. Yeah. That has brought people to feel hopeless. We, we hate seeing another person killed. We hate it. We hate the systems. We hate anything that has led to him to feel like that's what he needed to do, both from the cop and from this young man who, who was living the life he was living. We hate the evil that led both of them to do any of that. We have to hate those things. We hate racism. We hate bigotry. We hate the systems that have been created. And so if we're truly going to love things, if we're truly going to love people, we have to hate evil. And then Paul says that we must be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is not just, yeah, I'm, I'm your friend. This is this devotion to a family relationship. Right? That when you, when you love people, I, I don't just see them as friends, but I, I see them as family. I, I see them as a part of my life. That when others hurt, I hurt. And so four ways, just really practically, I think we can do this. Four ways I think we can be devoted to one another in brotherly love. The first thing is we listen to one another. We listen to one another. That we hear each other's stories. That we don't discount other people's experiences because they don't look like ours. That we listen. We listen to others' pain. We listen to others' worries. We, we listened to people. The second thing, and and this is one reason I I love being in North County. I I love the the school my kids attend. I I love being a part of this church family and that's that we live life in proximity with people who aren't like us. Right? If we're going to do this, if we're going to be devoted to brotherly love, then we build relationships with people who don't think like us, who don't necessarily maybe even live like us, who may not believe the same things you believe, but we live in proximity and we have relationships with them. Jesus put this on display for us. We see Jesus come and he says, look, it's not just the the healthy that need a, a, a doctor, it is the sick. And so he comes and he spends time with every type of person you could possibly think of. And this is what he did to every person. He made them feel loved. He made them feel loved. He brought them into relationship. He was near to them. So I think that's the call that's placed on our lives as well. And then I think this one is maybe the most important thing we have to do. And that is we have to move from sympathy to empathy. We have to move from having sympathy for other people to having empathy for them. These two words are often used in the same context, but they are very, very different. Sympathy says, I care about your suffering, right? Pity for someone says, I acknowledge that you're suffering. Sympathy says, I care that you're suffering. Empathy says, I feel the suffering that you're feeling. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to move from just having sympathy for our neighbors to having empathy. It means taking on their perspective, Again, it comes back to listening and listening to their stories and their experiences that they've had. And this isn't just about what's going on right now, but this could deal with immigration. This could deal with uh, sexual identity. This could come down to anything. We we have to move into empathy for others. We have to understand other people's perspectives and where they're coming from. If we're going to have empathy for others, we stay away from being judgmental. If we have empathy, we stay away from being judgmental. When you empathize, you acknowledge the pain that others experience. You acknowledge that pain. You see that pain. You acknowledge that someone else is commuting that, communicating that pain. And to have empathy is this feeling of being with people in their suffering. If I have sympathy for, for someone, I can go about my day. I can do what I'm doing and I can say I care for you. But when I have empathy, I engage with them. I take part in their suffering. We see this with with Jesus uh, in John 11. If you've ever been to a funeral that I have performed, uh, I'm almost always going to teach from this uh, passage. Uh, Jesus hears that one of his friends has passed away. He's been doing other things and he's making his way uh, to where Lazarus has been buried. Let, Let me read to you. From John eleven eleven, it says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. So he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go, and that we may die with him. So Jesus hears that Lazarus has died. Jesus knows what he is going to do for Lazarus. And he comes upon the scene and he sees his sisters. And you have Martha. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, yeah, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so Jesus is saying, and saying to Martha. Martha says, "Look, I know that things are going to be well one day. I know things are going to be okay one day." And and Jesus echoes that. He says, "Yes, everything is going to be well one day." And he continues on to the scene. Verse 32, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He feels the pain of these people. He doesn't just have sympathy and say, I care, for what you're going, uh, care about what you're going through. He feels it. He says, where have you laid him? He asked, come and see Lord, they replied. And then the shortest scripture in the English Bible, verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus weeps at the loss of his friend, but he also, I think he weeps because he has taken on the pain of the other people. He's not just having sympathy for them, but he is empathizing with them. He doesn't just say, have yeah, hope one day. Everything will be okay one day. He says, Look, I know the pain you're experiencing right now. I know that you are hurting even in the midst of the hope that you have. So we have to understand, specifically as followers of Jesus, if you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm not necessarily even speaking to you, but if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this has to be one thing that we have to be good at, and that is empathizing with other people. I think we we actually have a, a, a deficit of empathy in our country. It is hard for us to empathize with other people. It is hard. We're not necessarily in relationships. The phone or the screen has made it easy for us not to empathize with other people. We hear the pain and hurt of others and we want to make judgmental statements or beliefs, but to just feel, just to sit and feel the pain of someone is to empathize with them. And I think that is one of the most loving things we can do right now. No matter who it is that you're talking with is that we can empathize with them. And then the fourth thing I think we have to do is we have to do some self-examination. We, we have to do some surgery on our own hearts and we have to ask some difficult questions. Is what I'm saying or what I'm doing, is this pleasing to God? Whatever that looks like. Is this pleasing to God? What thoughts or feelings do you have or have you expressed that may not please God? And we may even need to ask God to forgive us for those things. Psalm 51 the the writer of this is this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. He's acknowledging his, his own heart pain. He's acknowledging the own sin and the choices in his life. And then he asks this. Maybe you want to write this down or, or make a note. Psalm 5110 says this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, would you purify my heart? Anything that is not good in me, would you get rid of? And so in doing those things, I think we love well. If we can begin to put those things into practice, and there's more I could go on, but, but if we could do those things, if we could begin to listen, if we could build relationships with people who are not necessarily like us, if we could become empathetic instead of just sympathizing with one another, and then if we would deal with our own hearts first, I think this is a way to be devoted in brotherly love, to hate what is evil, and to be devoted to brotherly love. Well, one of the things I am drawn to, and and we have done more in the last few weeks and months, is to participate in the, the Lord's Supper in communion. Now, the, the more and more we do this, and the more and more I, I study and I read the moments Jesus does this with his disciples, is impacting me more and more. Every, every time I stand before you and I hold the elements and you come and receive them, it does something more and more to my heart as I speak the words, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. I was even thinking this morning how we should almost say us. The body of Christ broken for us. The blood of Christ that is shed for us. And the the beautiful thing is it, it, it doesn't matter the differences that we have. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to us. This is a moment when we come to the table, that we participate in these things and we acknowledge who God is and we acknowledge that he is about unity, that he is about community and people coming together in the midst of their differences for one reason and that is because of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus does this, uh, this would have been something that was, was done and they would have this Passover meal, this remembrance of what God had done when, he, when, when God spared his people right before crossing the Red Sea. Uh, he, he came and he spared his people's lives. And so they would remember this all the time. So Jesus is having a meal with his disciples like he would have done this time of, of year that he, that he does it. This wasn't a new thing to do, but, but Jesus puts a new spin on it. He is going to fulfill what everyone is needing, that the idea of needing a savior, someone who would set us free, uh, not just from bondage uh, here on earth, but, but bondage internally, that he would forgive us. And so he sits with a group of disciples who had been following him and he offers this meal to each one of them, knowing that just later, just later, one of them is going to betray him for just a little bit of money. That one is going to tell the people where Jesus is. He's going to turn Jesus over. And yet Jesus says, this is for you. That that Peter is actually going to deny knowing Jesus. Not long after they participate in this meal together and Jesus is arrested and begins to be beaten and and goes to trial, Peter, one of his closest disciples, is going to say, I don't even know that guy. And Jesus says, this is for you. That Thomas is going to doubt. Thomas isn't even going to believe that Jesus is alive. He does it for Thomas. And I'm guessing each one of the disciples probably had their story. And Jesus says, look, this that I'm doing tonight is for each one of you. That you who's the tax collector and you who is the fisherman, the blue collar and the white collar, the the two people who come from different places in our world, you come together today and you participate in this meal because I am doing something for you. That I'm going to go and I'm gonna give up my body. I'm gonna make the ultimate sacrifice so that you may be made whole, that you may find healing. And so I think this, as as I knew um, this happened on Friday and I had been praying uh, because I knew the decision was coming and Greg and I had spoke, I said, I'm not sure what else is going to happen in the service, but I know one thing we're going to do, and that is going to be we're going to take communion together. Because honestly, the only hope I have is in this. The only hope I have is in Jesus. Uh, My hope is not in any system that has been set up by our country. My hope is in not any other person. My my hope is in Jesus alone. And so even as I say that, there is still this hurting that takes place in the midst of hope. Please hear that. I'm not not saying, look, the pain that you're experiencing, you shouldn't be experiencing because you should have hope. You you feel that pain. You feel that pain, but we cling to a hope that we have in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so today, this is for you. This is for us. You are, avail- you are um, more than able to come. If you are a follower of Jesus specifically, this is a moment when you remember what God has done for you. Uh, maybe today is the, the first day where you say, look, I'm hopeless, I'm hurting, and I want to give my life and hope only in Jesus. Then you are welcome. Everyone is welcome at the table today. As we do this, and we talked about this last week in 1 Corinthians, or last time we did this, in 1 Corinthians, Paul just says, look, this is about unity when you do this. And there's some things that are in your heart that are causing you not to be unified. And so he basically says, check your heart before you do this. And so that's just my instruction to you. As you come and you participate, would you just begin to examine your heart? Pray fifty-one, uh, Psalm 5110, create in me a pure heart, O God. Check yourself as you come and do this. Today. So, what will happen is there's going to be two stations at the front, there'll be a station in the back. Um, There'll be crackers and a a cup of, of juice. You'll take the cracker and you'll dip it in the juice. Someone will say the words to you the body of Christ broken for you. You'll take the cracker and you'll dip it in the cup, the blood of Christ that is shed for you. You can take it right there and then you can sit. Uh, back down. Uh, We have a a spot here in the middle that will stay um, with with little cups and uh, a cracker. If you've been sick, if you don't want to participate in a common cup uh, where someone is dipping, I would encourage you to use that. If you have allergies, uh, I would encourage you to use this middle section as well. So those who are going to help me serve communion, would you just come and uh, grab the elements and I'm going to pray for us. Father, we need you. We cling to the hope that only you can give. We feel the pain of our community today in lots of different ways for lots of different people, whether it's business owners or police, spouses, it's family, it's those who question if they matter. we feel the pain today. And the only thing I know to do, Lord, is to come to you, is to trust in you. Not not just to say I have faith in you, but to actually trust in you. And so, Lord, we come to the table today. uh, We participate in this and we remember the sacrifice that you made for us, God. That we have healing and hope because of Jesus. And Lord, would you remind us that it is Jesus that unifies us today that in the midst of our differences, you bring unity. And so, Lord, would you help us to have empathy for one another? Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to build relationships and be in proximity with people who aren't necessarily like us? God, would you help us not just to say we love you, but would you help us to love you and to love others? So we come to the table together as one, Lord. We come as one because of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.